Well, we started off last night talking about the spirit of faith, so we're going to continue with several ingredients to the spirit of faith. So if you have your Bible, look at 2 Corinthians 4, 13, where the apostle Paul says, we having the same spirit of faith. So Paul declared, this is what we have, this is what I have, is the same spirit of faith. In other words, the spirit of faith is the same. It's the same. It's always been the same because it came from God. <laughs> and so uh, the spirit of faith, Paul said, we have the same, talking about if you hung out with Paul, uh, if you were around him, then you'd certainly be free from a spirit of fear, wouldn't you? Amen. And Paul had this this thing he called the spirit of faith, which means faith is a spiritual force, spiritual force. Paul said, that's what we have, which pretty much makes us unstoppable. Amen. And so he said, in the spirit of faith, he quotes from the psalmist David. And so David had a spirit of faith and uh, killed a lion, killed a bear, ran at Goliath, <laughs> talked trash to Goliath. Amen. <laughs> So, so then uh, he ran at Goliath. The Lord told me, he said, never run at your giant with your mouth shut. So the spirit of faith is I believe and I speak. And so Dave is the only one uh, that was not intimidated by Goliath. Amen. I heard the story many years ago. John Osteen told the story about the guy that was a bully, the bully at school, you know, and so uh, he... He had a piece of paper out, and his friend looked at him and said, what are you doing? This guy's a bully. And he goes, he said, I'm, I'm writing down the names of everybody in this school I can whip. And so his friend looked at him and said, hey, he said, you've got my name on that list. He said, you can't whip me. And he said, oh, let me take your name off. So, so the devil's got a list. I'm going to make sure your name's not on the list. Everybody he can whip you say, hey, take my name off the list. So when you have a spirit of faith, the devil has to scratch your name off the list. You cannot be whipped, amen, because this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith, amen. So Paul says that's what we have, the same spirit of faith, and he said in this spirit of faith includes two main ingredients, two main ingredients, just two. This is really simple. You probably don't even have to write this down. Two main ingredients. Number one is I believe. Got any believers in here? I'm a believer. In other words, I believe God, have faith in God, have faith in the blood of Jesus, amen. So I believe, number one. Number two is I speak. In other words, to maintain a spirit of faith, then you have to do these two things. Number one, I'm a believer, I believe God. Number two is my faith now has to move my mouth. So if your faith or your belief system, what you believe, is not strong enough to move your mouth, it'll never move a mountain. All right, so let's see what Jesus had to say about it in Mark 11, 22 and 23. Jesus said, similar, same thing, Paul said, and he said, uh, have faith in God. He had just spoken to the fig tree, and, uh, you know, the disciples were pretty impressed with that, and we were all pretty impressed with that. He'd just spoken to the fig tree, right? And so in verse 23, he goes from the fig tree to a mountain. So I'm kind of like, you know, we were pretty happy just with the tree, and now why would you have to crank it up to a mountain? I mean, I mean, it's, I figured he did that just to mess up theologians for 2,000 years. And so Jesus said, what I just did to the tree will not only work on a tree, it will actually work on a mountain, something that looks too big for you, something that looks impossible, and something that's in the way of your progress or in the way of your blessing. 
Amen. So the Lord said to me, if you knew what was on the other side of your mountain, you would move it. All right, come on. So don't just camp out by the impossibility, you know, and say that's just the way it is. But he said, if you knew what was on the other side of that, you would move it. So whatever seems impossible, and many times uh, the devil will throw everything, including the kitchen sink, right in between you and your future, your destiny, and the best blessings of God for your life. He said, so now Jesus said, you are going to have to do something about the mountain. All right, let's try that again. Jesus said, you are going to have to do something about the mountain. Amen. Uh, and so if God was going to move the mountain, I mean, he would have already done that. So he says, now you are going to have to exercise your faith, have faith in God. And how is that faith going to work? Well, in verse 23, Jesus says, this is exactly how faith works. How many think Jesus might be an expert? So come on, even if you're uh, you say, well, I've got different facets, and we're going to look at some of those. But really, no matter what, if you live by the faith of the Son of God, the Son of God just told you how that faith works. Thank you for your enthusiasm. How's it going to work? Jesus said, this is the way faith works. He said, whosoever. In other words, he said, anybody can do this. Now, I've met some pretty ignorant people in my lifetime, but Jesus said, actually, anybody can do it. I told you about the first time I went into the men's restroom uh, at an airport. First time I went in, and it had the motion-activated stuff in there, you know, the faucets, everything's motion-activated. So don't act like you're smarter than me. This was a long time ago. So the first time, first time I went into that men's restroom, and I was trying, you know, to wash my hands. I couldn't get any water out of the faucet, you know, and so I didn't see a handle. I thought, this must have been the lowest bidder got this job. He forgot to put the handles on the faucet, and so I looked underneath, see if there's a pedal you could push or something, nothing underneath. So I just stood there and stared at the faucet. <laughs> Thought, you know, I went to college, I'll be able to figure this out. And so I just stood there, and here comes another man indirectly, and he walks right into the men's restroom, and he puts his hand underneath the faucet, waves his hand, and the water came out. I thought, this is an amazing man here. I mean, he just waved his hand under there, and the water came out. He walked over, paper towels, waved his hand, paper towel came down. Wow, I thought, who in the world is this guy? So he went out, and I, so I stuck my hand under the faucet, and the water came out. I thought, well, I am an amazing guy. Paper towels came down. Then I saw the sign on the wall that everything is motion activated. You know what that meant? If you can make a motion you can do that. In other words, you don't have to be an amazing, you know, the smartest person in the class. You don't have to be good looking. Don't have to have a lot of money in the bank. Jesus said, anybody can do this. What he just did to the fig tree, he said, anybody can do this. It'll not only work on a tree, it'll work on a mountain, but it's going to require some motion activated. So the first act or the initial act of faith is your faith has to move your mouth. All right, let's try it again. In other words, you have faith in God. You're a believer. But he said the initial act of faith is it's going to have to move your mouth. Once your faith moves your mouth. <laughs> All right, come on. <laughs> you ought to look in the mirror, you know, and say, hi, man, look at that. So, so once your faith moves your mouth, 
In other words, the initial act of faith is it's going to have to move your mouth or say or speak. So Jesus said, whosoever shall what? Say. Whosoever shall what? Say. So the speaking part is pretty fundamental, but it's actually required. You can't just think it. Come on, you can't just sit there, you know, and say, I know that already. Come on, you're going to have to say something. Your faith must have a voice. So whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. When you say to the mountain something that looks impossible, he said, that thing's going to move. He said, it's not only going to move, you know, don't just put it in your neighbor's yard. He said, he said, move and goes into the sea. You would like that sometimes. Anyway, you cast it into the sea and the sea has the capacity to receive that mountain, dissolve it, which means what? Well, that means it ain't ever coming back. The second thing that means is there'll be no evidence it was ever there. You'll have to tell people you used to have a problem like that. But you had faith in God. You had faith in the blood of Jesus. Now, Smith Wigglesworth, his book, Ever Increasing Faith, is a classic book on faith. And Wigglesworth raised 23 people from the dead. <laughs> you know, most of us still working on our first one. So whatever, whatever he says about faith, I'm listening. So here's what Wigglesworth said about faith. Uh, he said, um, any person, anyone, any man, any person can be changed by faith no matter how they may be fettered. Old English word fettered means the word bound. Y'all listening? Any person can be changed by faith no matter how they may be bound. That means the devil cannot make a bondage that your faith cannot break off of you. All right, let's try it one more time. In other words, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, come on, financial, whatever kind of impossibility you might be facing, come on. When you have a spirit of faith, you, get, you turn into a weirdo. I mean, you like start talking to mountains and talking to stuff. Instead of being a victim of that thing, you say, I'm going to move that thing. Amen. So the Lord said to me, this to me, he said, uh, your faith may not necessarily prevent all mountains, but it will move all mountains. What does that mean? In other words, when you see an impossibility, instead of feeling like, you know, how'd this get there? Why'd this get there? Wonder what, what's going on here? Instead of doing that, Jesus just said what? He said, just talk to it. So you're going to have to move. You're going to have to move. If it's God's will for the mountain to be there, he wouldn't tell you to move it. All right, let's keep moving here. So, so he says, you say to the mountain, which represents what? Anything too big for you, you say to the mountain what? Be removed. Be cast into the sea. Come on, that means this time next year, there'll be no evidence you're having the problems you're having right now. All right, let's keep going. I said this time next year, there'll be no evidence. Wow, because that situation was cast into the sea, never coming back. Hallelujah. So Jesus said, say to that mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. All that means is do not entertain doubt. Just because doubt knocks on the door, don't bring it in for cookies. In other words, so don't entertain doubt. Don't keep thinking about the situation. In other words, your faith, your words say, do not entertain doubt, but believe those things that you say 
Actually, the word there is sayeth, which means it's not just something you said, it's something you say. Y'all still in that sign. In other words, you're holding fast to your confession. You know, that's how you got saved is your faith moved your mouth, right? You believe Jesus died. He's raised from the dead, right? And then you said what? I confess with my mouth, Jesus is my Lord. Woo, come on. That, that's the most powerful confession you can say, most powerful thing you can say on this planet. It's the one confession that'll keep you out of hell, and it's the one confession that'll get you into heaven. In other words, your confession of faith registers in heaven, but it also registers in your heart, but it also registers over every devil, every demon, just to let the devil know he can't dominate you. So Paul says, don't just say that once. Hold on tight to your confession. Come on, keep on declaring, this is who I am. This is what I have. Because because Jesus is my Lord, and sin cannot dominate me. Old habits cannot dominate me. Sickness cannot dominate me. Disease cannot dominate me. Lack cannot dominate me. Come on. Sickness cannot dominate me. Come on. Depression cannot dominate me. Jesus is my Lord. And we were on uh, um, commercial airlines uh, not too long ago, and so we got in the uh, emergency exit. We always try to do that if you're on one of those small jets so you can have a little more leg room. So here comes the stewardess. She comes back there, emergency exit. She says, uh, uh, will you help me in the event of emergency? Well, you know, I was reading a magazine or something, so I just said. And uh, she said, excuse me, sir. I need a verbal response. I said, yes, ma'am. I will help you. I'll be the first one out that window, I guarantee you. <laughs> Just in leadership so other people will know where to go. <laughs> so she says, she says, will you help me, right? I just gave her a nod. She said, I need a verbal response. Come on, that's why your words or your confession is so powerful. All that Jesus has done for you through his blood, through his death and his resurrection and your identification with Christ, all that he's done, God said, you're gonna have to give me more than a nod. I got a bunch of nods over there. God said, you're gonna have to give me more. <laughs> God said, you're gonna have to give me more than a nod. I need a verbal response. Come on, God said, I need a verbal response. In other words, your voice or your confession or your words of faith speaking, and that's exactly how faith works. And if you're going to live by faith, your mouth's going to have to be moving. Not just on Sunday, but on Monday and Tuesday. Come on, what are you going to say? I'm going to say, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Come on, I do not lack. Oh, somebody said, that's just the way I think. No, he said, I'm going to say, you're going to have to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I do not lack for ability, I do not lack for opportunity, and I never lack for money. I'm a tither, I'm a giver, I never lack for money. Matter of fact, money's moving and coming to me right now, hallelujah. God said it's coming back, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. How many of y'all got some, uh, some expectation in your faith? So the spirit of faith will take the whine out of your voice. I mean, you know, sometimes you can get a whine in your voice at a very young age. And some people never lose it. But you can get that whine in your voice. Yeah. 
know, my parents were always like, well, if you're going to whine about it, you're sure not going to get it. And you keep whining about it, and I'm going to give you a whooping. So, so <laughs> the spirit of faith will take the victim out of your voice, the whine out of your voice, because everything God did in Christ, he did it for you, set to the credit of your account, just like you did it. Your identity and your identification now is connected to the same victory that's in Christ, the same life that's in Christ. That's who you are. That's a part of your faith, and that's what you have. Hallelujah. Your confession of faith. Amen. So Dad Hagen came to my dad's church, you know, in a little town in Texas. Oh, oh man. I was eight years old when he first came. Probably was in 1963 or something. And then I didn't start paying attention until I was 17. And uh, I was 17, and Dad Hagen came along teaching on faith. He taught on faith so much I thought he ran out of sermon material. <laughs> so he actually set me free from the fear of repetition. So... So I, I just stick with the subject until people's eyes light up. And if they don't light up, let's do that again. <laughs> Jesus said, <laughs> y'all, y'all heard of him, haven't you? Jesus said, your faith is going to have to move your mouth. All right? So Dad Hagen teaching on it, and he said, if you're not happy with what you have in life, check out what you've been saying. Now look at the, look at the saying part. And I was 17. I wasn't happy. 17, you know, there's a lot of unhappy teenagers. You don't have to wait till you're 40 to get unhappy. You don't even have to wait till you get married to get unhappy. All right, let's keep going here. In other words, you're going to have to cure your own unhappiness, right? You need to cure that before you get married. Anyway, so uh, he said, if you're not happy with what you have in life, check out what you've been saying. And in my case, what you've been singing. And some people claim to be, you know, they're such, you know, well, I know a lot about faith. My mom knows a lot about faith. But really, uh, if you listen to the way they talk, wow, y'all still with me here? And so, so you take the word of God and put it in your mouth and speak that word concerning what? Well, there's several major categories. One of them is on your identification with Christ. There's a 130 in Christ, in him, in whom scriptures, 130, 35 super significant scriptures in Paul's revelation on who you are in Christ, what you have because you're in Christ, amen. In other words, God's already done everything he's going to do about your salvation, deliverance, and victory, and then he did that in Christ for you in your behalf, and then he puts you in him. You just look a lot better in Christ than you do outside of him. Now, if Paul's going to use that term in Christ, in him, in whom, if he's going to use that term 130 times, right? I don't think he's forgetful. I think the Holy Spirit has given you a term that's going to let you into the secrets and the mysteries of the gospel because now you've been saved, you've been born again, and now you are in Christ. Or, said this way, God did in Christ what he wanted to do in every believer. So Paul would say something like this, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He said that identification with Christ, that's Paul's confession. That identification with Christ is a part of your faith. Or let's say it this way. 
Your faith in Christ, your faith in God, now doesn't start way down here and you're trying to climb up. Now your faith begins with your identification with Christ. I like to say it this way. There's a bunch of half scriptures in Paul's letters, like Colossians 1, 12 through 14. Uh, we give thanks to God who hath qualified us for our inheritance, right? Then verse 13, he hath delivered us from the power of darkness. He hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So you got all these half scriptures. And then Jesus said in Matthew 13, 12, to him that hath shall more be given. To the one who's still trying to get it, they could lose even what they have. But the moment you get into the half department, come on, and because of the grace of God, God said, I'm going to put you in the half department to start with. He hath redeemed us. He hath delivered us. So you're already into the half department. He said, once you get in that department, more shall be given to you. Are y'all still with me here? So understanding your identification with Christ, that now you are in him, you're not trying to be, not someday going to be, not come on, I hope to be, and I'm working on this. No, you say, look what happened. I was crucified with Christ, but now go to Ephesians chapter 2. Come on, after Ephesians 1, prayer, Father God, I'm asking you to give unto me the spirit of wisdom, revelation, knowledge of God, the eyes of my understanding, being enlightened. Come on, Ephesians 1. And then you go to Ephesians 2, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, he made us alive together with Christ. And guess what word's in there? He hath made us, quickened us, hath made us alive. How many have an Amplified Bible? Women's Bibles, got more words. So here you go, Amplified Bible. He gave us the very same life that he gave to Christ. Same identical life that he gave to Christ made us alive together with him and raised us up together with him and made us sit down together with him in heavenly places, well, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Come on, that means the devil way down there. So faith now begins where? Up here. You're not fighting for the victory. You're fighting from a place of victory in Christ, joined to him with the same life and same authority that's in Christ, and now that belongs to you as a believer. Amen. Praise the Lord. And when I was about 17 years old, you know, I'm trying to learn how to live by faith and walk by faith, and, and so I went right to Paul's revelation. Man, you get the same revelation, you'll have the same spirit of faith. So I had Paul's revelation, prayed to Ephesians 1 prayer, started studying the in Christ scriptures. And then one day I was studying on Friday night with a couple of friends of mine. And I was reading Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. And we were in there and we we're studying. I'm 17 years old. And the Holy Spirit gave me a vision and showed me made alive together with Christ. Raised up together with him and seated together with him in heavenly places. First thing I did is laugh. All right, let's try this out. I said, the first thing I did is laugh. 
because I'm no longer way down here, come on, trying to get up there, but God in Christ has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, amen. I got the same life and the redemption power of Jesus, what he's done, is the power of his blood, and so now I'm seated together with him in partnership with his divine work, living in the light of revelation of what happened from the cross to the throne which one writer said, the events that brought you into union with Christ are immortal in energy and limitless in application. Let's try that one more. The events, what's that mean? What brought you into union with Christ? What happened on the cross, the death of Christ, his burial and his resurrection, what God did in Christ, in union with Christ, you know, and one writer said the key to the gospel is in the prepositions. I'm like, well, I should have paid attention in English class. The key to the gospel is all you got is, is in, preposition, and Christ. You're in Christ, in union with Christ, engrafted into Christ, one with Christ. Come on. So Jesus can't have the victory and you not. Are y'all still here? So, so when, I, when I saw that, then I was, I was meditating on Ephesians 2, 4 through 6, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit hit me in the brain. How many know the word is actually just as anointed? Well, Jesus said, just speak the word only. In other words, he said, just as, just as good as my personal visit is the spoken word of God. And so I'm meditating on that, and the Holy Spirit showed me, and then the anointing hit my brain. And so it was kind of like... Uh, First time I, I uh, ate wasabi at a uh, Asian restaurant or Chinese restaurant. How many of y'all can remember the first time you ate wasabi? Well, first time I ate wasabi, they said, now here's your sushi and be careful. You know about that little green stuff, that stuff on your plate. Be careful about the green stuff. And I'm, I, I laughed. I said, I'm not afraid of no green stuff. I mean, I'm from Texas. We eat jalapenos. What you talking about? I ain't afraid of no wasabi. I said, matter of fact, give me a double dose. Man, they loaded it up on the green stuff. So, so I, man, I took a dip and put it got in soy sauce, you know, and got that. Man, boy, I put that thing in my mouth, and in about three seconds, wasabi went right to my brain. It's just like my, my head was going to explode. I was like, oh, man, oh. Wasabi. Call an ambulance. <laughs> so while I was meditating on Ephesians 2, 4 through 6, made alive, raised up together, seated together with Christ, the anointing of the Holy Ghost went to my brain. Have you ever had the anointing hit your brain? It'll change the way you think. The anointing hit my brain, bam, like that. And I went, oh, wasabi. In other words, the Holy Ghost. When he brings you personal revelation, it becomes a substance of your faith. Come on. So it's not just a Bible story. It's your identification with Christ and who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ. Come on. You're not what your mama made you. You're not what the past made you. You're not what experiences made you. You are the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus unto good work, which God before ordained you should walk in them. Your identification with Christ, your union with Christ, part of your faith. Amen. Well, it'd be a pretty great 
pretty great thing is just for you to begin to see yourself in Christ. You could never be in crisis if you saw yourself in Christ. You could never be afraid of anything if you saw your union with Christ. Same identical life that's in Christ. Actually, it is your identical confession that activates your identification. All right, let's try this again. So your, what is your confession of faith? Your words, that's a part of your faith. Your faith's gonna have to do some talking. So instead of asking people how they're feeling, what do you ask them? What's your confession? If you understand faith, you'll say, hold it just a second. I'm gonna have to tell you my confession. Amen, who I am and what I have because I'm in Christ. I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. In other words, my faith now is speaking. All right, let's try that again. We're not just accumulating information. My faith now has revelation and I am speaking who I am and what I have because I'm in Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Anybody can't get happy about who you are in Christ? Come on. I always like to say, if you're not impressed with who you are in Christ, you just hadn't seen him lately. Pretty impressive guy. Listen, <laughs> your confession of the Lordship of Jesus and including everything he has done for you and who you are in him. Praise the Lord. Now, here's what I learned from Dad Hagen. Praise the Lord. I'm not going overtime, am I? All right. So I'm moving as fast as I can. They say your brain can actually think, actually can think faster than most people talk, especially for, from the South. So I'm giving <laughs> a few extra. So first time I heard Dad Hagen, and he's talking about the subject of the authority of the believer, talking about faith and how faith works. Then here's what he said. This is very, very simple. He said people were criticizing him for teaching on faith and the confession of faith, or you would say the saying part of faith, and even other preachers were criticizing him, saying, you're spending too much time on that subject, talking about it too much. So he said, I think, well, if you think so, then I'll back off, I won't teach on it so much. So he was praying at the altar in the church, had his Bible open, and he said, the Lord said to him, did you ever notice in Mark eleven twenty three that the saying part of faith is in there three times and the believing part is only once? He said, no, I never noticed that. He said, I read the New Testament through 150 times. He said, Lord, I've never seen that before. The Lord said, son, there's a lot of stuff in there you've never seen. All right, let's go back to this just for a second. He said three times in reference to the believer, who's Jefferson say? Come on, believe those things which he saith. He'll have whatsoever he saith. Believe once. Say, say, say. So he counted. So the Lord told him, you'll have to do three times more teaching on the saying part of faith than you do on the believing part because most of my children are not missing it in the believing department. They already are believers. 
They're missing it in the saying department. So you'll have to spend three times more teaching on the saying part of faith or most people will never get it. I was preaching in Ohio a few years ago and teaching on faith, and this guy comes up to me after. He don't seem to be an intelligent man, but he comes up to me afterwards, and he says, uh, can you tell me why Mark 11, 23 don't work for me? <laughs> I mean, I just taught on it for three days in a row, and he's asking me why Mark 11, 23 don't work for him. I said, what did you say? He said, I said, I want to know why. <laughs> the problem is I'm fixing to tell you why. Mark 11, 23, don't worry. So, so again, he goes, I said, what'd you say? And again, he, he acts like I'm hard of hearing. So he goes, I said, I want to know why. I said, what did you say? I want to, oh, he said, oh, all right, I got it, I got it. And that's an intelligent man. Imagine how God's working with some of us. I'm just saying, you you want to know why your faith ain't working, come on, because you are not saying, 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 come on, and the, the confession precedes the possession. In other words, God calls things that be not as though they were. You're going to have to call some things in your life the way the Word says it is, come on, and declare you got it right now, and that confession will precede the experience of possession. Praise the Lord. So Dad Hagen said, say, say, say. And he said, the saying part is so significant that you can actually school yourself into faith with your own words. All right, let's try that one more time. The saying part is so significant, you can school yourself into faith with your own words. Let's try it one more time. I know you do, but there's a lot of people behind you. So, you want me to move back a little bit? The saying part, <laughs> is this your husband? Yeah, he's like, yeah, huh? He's an Navy man, be careful. Oh, praise the Lord. He looks like a smart man. <laughs> Handsome man. Nice man. At least I'll move the other side. No, I'm just kidding. So, the saying part. <laughs> so, Dad Hagen said, the saying part. The speaking part of faith. So he counted it. So he did this. He counted. He went one, two, three. Say, say, say three times. Yeah. Believe. One time says believe. As a, just like that. Now, there is a picture of that. I don't know. Did y'all get a picture of that? There it is right there. This is Dad Hagen teaching from heaven this morning. Hey, if you can't improve on it, just re repeat it, right? So Jesus told him, say, 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 believe. So that's a picture of him. And as soon as you see that picture, you know what he's talking about, right? Whosoever shall have whatsoever, he saith. Say, 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 believe. Hallelujah. School, in other words, if you're struggling in a certain area of your life, put the word in your mouth and say, 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 and school yourself with your believer working. Your confession of faith 
Say, 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 believe. Say, 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 believe. In other words, you'll have to do three times, three times more on the saying part than just the believing part. Y'all still here? So uh, I've got a minister friend named uh, Minister, actually, and he sings uh, Christian rap music, raised in the streets of Florida. His daddy was a, ran a bar. His mama was a prostitute. He got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. He travels with us sometimes, sings Christian rap music. I like it just to disturb some people. But... Uh, <laughs> And now he's got a church in Philadelphia. His life's totally changed. And so, um, well, every time we take a picture, he comes from the street. So he knows all the different gang signs and gang words. And so he's got fingers going every which direction. And I'm in a picture with him. I don't know what all the fingers mean. So I'm saying, watch out for that, buddy. So, so, <laughs> so I said, well, let's just change all the fingers. I said, we're going to take a picture, then we're going to hold up three in one. That's going to be our new gang sign. We belong to the three in one gang. So we're going to cross it like this. We're going to make a little bit of a mug shot. That means we're fixing to kick the hell out of the devil. In other words, that means... That means, that means we're going to get up in the morning saying something, man. We're going to say what God says about us, no matter how we feel or how things look. Dad Hagen said, even if failure is standing on all four corners, you hold fast to your confession. You keep saying what God says about you, no matter how you feel or how things look. Y'all want to try it? Let's try it. Three. Yeah, you did pretty good. Three and one. Even elderly people can do this. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> look, look, uh, Pastor Mac. Let's see if Pastor Mac can do it. He's almost 90. No, no, it's 80. So it's, <laughs> he's going to still be doing that when he's 100 years old. He'll be gone. So the authority of the believer, come on. Jesus said anybody can do this. Let's try this out over. Come on. Have you ever had any knotheads in your life? Maybe a couple of bozos. Listen, no, no matter what's going on, when you learn how faith works, it works the same in every area of your life. The speaking and the say, 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 I believe my faith is in God. My faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. My faith is in his precious blood. My faith is in the name that's above every name. My faith is in the indwelling Holy Ghost. In other words, I believe and I say. I say, 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 what you gonna say? Come on, Jesus is the apostle and high priest of your confession and your, what you gonna say? Jesus actually needs you to say something. Woo! What you gonna say? Even if little feelings or little situations come up, say something about that. I, I love David's mighty men. Is my time up? Oh, man. Anyway, let me finish this real quickly here. Y'all leave the parking lot fast. So they try not to hit nobody on bumper cars, you know, a living word today. So David's mighty men caught the same spirit of faith 
And one of them says the enemy came to get his beans. He fought till the sword was in his hand. He refused to let the enemy have his beans. Everybody else ran, and he's there. You ain't getting my beans. That's a man that likes beans, I'm telling you. You ain't getting my beans. <laughs> so I asked the Lord one time, I said, well, how come this guy's willing to risk his life just for a bunch of beans? And the Lord says this to me. He talks to me funny. He says, <laughs> he says, if you let the enemy have your beans, he's coming after your taco, your burrito, and your whole Mexican dinner. So you need to stop him at the beans. Say, devil, you ain't getting my taco, my burrito, you ain't getting my Mexican dinner, and you ain't getting none of my beans either. In other words, you stop him at his own set. Come on, just a thought comes. Come on, imagination comes. And you say, hold oh, it just a second. I'm going to say something about that. Woo, it says, and the enemy will run from you. Praise the Lord. Everybody say, I have faith in God. I am a believer. I'm not a doubter. And I will not be quiet about it. Come on, I will not be quiet about it. I'm going to say, 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 say. I believe and I speak, hallelujah. That opens the door to the supernatural. Wow. Well, give the Lord a shout. Come on, we have the God kind of faith. Praise the Lord.